Good morning, Northgate. Good Sunday here in December. We're going to get into God's Word this morning. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would uh, bless your Word this morning. Just speak to our hearts as we work through Joshua, lessons to learn, to apply. Holy Spirit, just speak to us. I pray this in your precious name. Amen. So we are in Joshua chapter 5. As Doug shared last week about counting the cost and some thoughts and reminders from Joshua as well. And we've been working our way through the book and knowing that Joshua was called to be strong and courageous, to step into the new land, to take the Israelites into the land of promise. We learned of Rahab, uh, the prostitute, but yet God was faithful in his grace, saved her, making that decision. And as they got close to the Jordan, the priests put their feet in the water and it parted miraculously. As the people followed the ark, they crossed on dry ground. And then they were asked a couple weeks ago to take those stones out as memorials. You might remember that. Before they even entered into fight the enemy to remember what God had done thus far. So now just tracking the story and Typing it out a little bit, Egypt, sin, leaving, Red Sea, commitment, baptism to the Lord, entering into the promised land later, supposed to early, but because of lack of faith and sin, wandered in the wilderness, just an unproductive Christian life. But here, Joshua taking them in, this idea of the spirit-filled, the sanctified the prosperous spiritual Christian life, as we've talked about, and that's God's desire for all of us. But before they fight the enemy, it's interesting, in Joshua chapter 5, they're asked to do something a little odd in our mind, but maybe not necessarily for them. But as we look at the beginning of the chapter, God tells Joshua to circumcise the men. Now, these men were boys in the wilderness, born there, he mentions that, but they had never been circumcised. And circumcision for them was a sign that they were a part of their nation. It was a commitment. It was intimate. It was personal. It was a seal that they were Jewish, that they were Israelites, and they knew who they were. And so they are asked to do this before they go at Jericho and also to celebrate the Passover you see in Joshua chapter 5 and some interesting things happen when they when they do those things and we pick up our story in verse 9 of chapter 5 it says the Lord said to Joshua this day I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you therefore the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho and they ate the produce of the land on that day after the Passover unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year how interesting as they're about to enter the land they make a recommitment of sorts and those young ones remember who have become men by the way, not something really fun, 20, 30, 40-year-old men. Who knows what these flint knives, the damage they would have caused, but they were healed. And they celebrated uh, 
Just a quick note in the New Testament, there's no need for circumcision. It's the circumcision of the heart. It's the cutting away of the old. It's showing the new. And that's exactly what Paul says in Romans 2.29. I have here, and I wanted to read to you, that circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, not for the praise of men, but for the praise of God. How interesting, huh, as we look at that. It's not a letter, a law in the New Testament. It's something in our heart that we understand that we're new in Christ. As I was thinking about all of this and what God wanted to show us, it became very clear to me, and I've mentioned before on some occasions, that I think God so desires that we walk in this Spirit-filled life that we produce for Him. It's almost this sense that we should be mature in him we don't want to be immature not bringing our fruit to maturity jesus would say in the parable of the seed that some is trampled and some taken by the birds and some goes in the ground but yet it brings fruit but not to maturity but what we want is the 30 60 100 fold the good soil that produces fruit and that's the land heading into it we want to be maturing. We want to be heading. We want to be living this spirit-filled life. We want to be mature believers. I don't know, when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I got in trouble, I got the whole name call. Do you remember that as a child when you heard, Daniel, Christian, come here? Usually in a little French accent or a German one. I knew probably it was a little more serious uh, than a little talk. And even with my kids, sometimes if I would yell out to them and I use the full name, and today I'm not going to use any of their names because I'll go home, they're like, yeah, yeah, dads, because you're thinking of getting me in trouble. <laughs> no, I'm not going to use my kid's name. But when I was called Daniel Christian, come here, that meant I was in trouble. And what were my parents trying to do when they said that? They want to bring me to maturity. They're reminding me of who I was. And sometimes I would hear, come on, how old are you? That behavior is not appropriate. Don't act immaturely. Act maturely. And sometimes we say that to our children. Don't act as a child. You're growing up. It's time to be more mature. We remind them of who they are. We remind them of their age. We remind them of their responsibility and how they're supposed to act. You know, even in 1 Corinthians 13, you're no longer children. I don't see things as a child anymore. Or Hebrews chapter 6, I believe it would say as well that we are called not to be children who are only feeding of the milk, but to be mature in our faith, able to discern and understand good and evil and what is right and wrong. And here, as they enter this land, I almost see it as a maturing as these people are going into this land to live the spiritual life, you're cutting away the flesh. You're cutting away sin. You're remembering that the old life is gone. It's, it's past to put off in Colossians. It would say, put off and put on because this is who you are. Daniel, a child of God, put off the flesh. And I have this intimate in my heart sign, this new covenant of who I am, Daniel Christian, don't operate in the flesh. Don't operate in immaturity. But act your age, who you are in Christ, because there's so much for you. And as for our kids, we desire that they walk in all that God has for them. And that's what God, our great Father, 
would have for us. And so there's this sign for the Israelites to remind them. And in this Passover, to remind them of Jesus, to think of what he's done, to celebrate each year. And here they're celebrating that and being reminded of who they are. And how interesting that the manna stops. And as they enter the land, they have the produce of the land. They have the fruit of the land to bear from. And I see that as such a wonderful, yeah, journey, projection. And I even look at the disciples. Do you know, for many years, they watched Jesus do miracles, many things. Even here, how the manna was produced, a miracle from God that it was produced, it was there, it was there for them every day. They just had to eat it. And the disciples with Jesus, he taught them, he showed them miracles. But there came a time when he left, but he sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, which was better for them to live in them. So not now time to look and watch the miracles, but the time with the Holy Spirit in us to produce the work of God. And I think in our lives, as we remember and we grow up to maturity, who we are, our age, what our responsibility is, we see this idea that it's not my time to look at the older, more responsible people, but I need to step into that spirit live, that spirit filled life. I love that because God wants to produce fruit in our life. He doesn't want us looking at other people's fruit or Maybe the miracles produced there. And praise God for those amazing things. But the Holy Spirit, as we grow up, and look at those disciples, they would argue, who's the best, who's the greatest, right? Peter would run off his mouth. But when Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit entered him, there was this sense of maturity and, and the Spirit-filled life in front of them where they would produce this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and these gifts of the Spirit would be in them. It was no longer time to be spoon-fed with the milk or see the miracles, but time to live the miracles, to be a part of what God was doing, to have this amazing character in their own lives. And spiritually, I think God wants us not to be children, children of faith, but as we act in character, not children. Yeah, believing him for everything, trusting him, but our character and our desire to walk in the spirit and to see him work in our lives, there's a sense, who are you? How old are you? Let's go. Let's be responsible. You know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. It is as they entered the land, the fruit on the trees, it was ready, but someone had to pick it. No longer was it a time to be in the desert and think of manna, but the fruit was there. And they were called to be harvesters. And so are we in the Spirit-filled life by the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, to be grown up, to be those examples, to go out there and harvest in season. But God is so good and gracious to walk with us. But I love at times the encouragement, the motivation, and we see it in the story. These men, 20 to 40 years old, reminded and now to step in to what, the spirit-filled life would be for them. And as you continue to read, it's so interesting. Some of you might know it, and I don't want to put it as a PS to this story because, okay, they circumcised, they've healed, they've celebrated the Passover, they have this harvest to collect from, but now they have to defeat the enemy. 
And what does it say in verse 13? As it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, when he lifted up his eyes and looked. So interesting when there's fear or anxiety in the Bible, you, you lift your eyes up. What is going to happen? And what does Joshua see? And behold, in his strength and courage, he sees this man who stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversary? So he said, No. But as the commander, capital C, of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to my servant? Then the commander of the Lord, Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot. For the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. You see, when we're immature, I was thinking of that. It's easy to fight and squabble and not be productive in a lot of ways. And I see in this story, Joshua saying as he meets this commander, and by the way, was this an angel? Was this Jesus? One indication that it was Christ is when in the New Testament, someone meets an angel, there was fear, but when they dropped to their knees and worshiped, the angel would always say, don't do that. We think of John in Revelation. Don't worship me, the angel said. We're here to, to worship God. But this commander took worship. And Jesus takes our worship. He's also known as the captain of our salvation. The one who's completely in charge. And Joshua, are you for us or are you for the enemy? And so often we like to separate unbelievers, people from other countries, government officials, even in this season, thinking, oh, people might be trying to control us or do this or that, or who's the enemy? God loves everybody. And he doesn't see what we would think as our enemy as his enemy. There's only one enemy, and that's Satan. But God, who are you for? No, that's not the question to ask. But the answer rather is, I am the captain, and you worship me. You keep your eyes on me. And I look at this in progression of immaturity to maturity and in my life. And I think, and there's human people who I can see as my enemy. But no, that's not what God would say. He says, no. You know, it's God's desire that all would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That all would be saved. That all would have this illumination of truth that would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Joshua saw this enemy, but God, who are you for? God, I'm not for or against anyone in a sense I want to destroy people. Judgment obviously will come, but that's a separate issue to me and you. And little children fight. Actually, adults fight. But we're looking at the wrong enemy. And we've heard that before and we know that. But what a beautiful picture that we're to keep our eyes on Christ. You're on holy ground. The greatest thing we can do is keep our eyes on the commander, on the captain of our salvation. To take off our dirty sandals, those things that aren't holy, and understand who we are, clean ourselves up, and worship this great God of holiness who loves us. You know, both Amy and I this week were thinking and maybe falling into a little pit 
uh, often looking at the news or things or what's going to happen or, or what's this possibility or why this or this could be this. And we both went away and prayed and it was almost independently that we came back to each other and said, man, we have to keep our eyes on the captain of our salvation. God will lead. We can trust him. And today I want to remind you, he is in complete control and our greatest job is simply to look at him, to worship him, and to walk in faith, working, allowing the Spirit to work through us to produce his fruit for his glory. I want you to be encouraged in this story. The battle starts next week in Jericho, and Joshua will be asked to do some strange things again. But before them, know who you are, Daniel, Christian, Know my age. I'm the son, a son of God. I see myself as a son of God, his child. And I need to be responsible and step into what he's called me to do, knowing there's a harvest ready, looking at my commander, looking at my captain, and seeing all that he would ask of me to do in the upcoming chapter. Praise God. I want you to be encouraged today. You are loved. Would you remember that you're new, that the old is rolled up the flesh, and if you're battling with sin, understand who you are. It's rolled up. It's done. It's cut away. You are new. Put on the new. Walk in the Spirit, collecting that fruit, producing that fruit for God's glory, looking at Jesus. Oh, Lord, help us today. Help us. Thank you for your word. Help us to grow in you. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Will you have a great week? Be blessed. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>